Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Welcome to the third episode in our Great Sea Fights, the Battle of St. Vincent special. If you've landed here first, do please check out the first two episodes. The first episode explored the outlines of the battle and included two readings of primary sources from sailors who were actually there and witnessed those most remarkable events firsthand. In the second episode, we heard from two world-renowned Nelson scholars and biographers, John Sugden and Marianne Chisnick, who cast their eye over the battle to explore its influence on the war, and in particular its influence on the life of the battle's great hero, Horatio Nelson. In this, our final episode on the Battle of St. Vincent, we hear from Dr. Agustin Guimara and Dr. Pablo Ortega del Cerro, both from the Spanish National Research Centre in Madrid. First off, we hear from Agustin with his analysis of the battle from a Spanish perspective. And secondly, we hear from Pablo, who is reading out an extract from the logbook of the Principe de Asturias, the flagship of Vice Admiral Moreno, and certainly the best Spanish account that we have of the battle. Here's Agustin. The Battle of Cape San Vincent, Dr. Guimera from Spain. There are several key factors to play in the Battle of Cape St. Vincent, which determined its outcome. First, the superiority of the Royal Navy. It's a good example of British superiority at Manoeuvre, connected with the larger availability of seamen for the British fleet. The British Mercantile Marine was the biggest in Europe at that time more than 10 times bigger than that of Spain. There was also a British superiority in finance. The British Royal Treasure had enough money for keeping squadron and fleet overseas and training them properly. The Spanish context didn't help also. There was a lack of naval command in the Spanish Navy in 1797. During the administration of the Spanish Minister of the Navy, Valdez, the Spanish Navy had a good performance during the Nutka Crisis, 1790, 
and the war against revolutionary France, 1793-1795. But after 1795, when the peace between Spain and France was signed in the Treaty of Basel, the Spanish royal treasure was exhausted after the war. And the new elected Spanish minister of the Navy, Barella, instigated a poor naval finance policy, which led very quickly to a collapse in the quality of the Spanish Navy. Even worse, in 1796, after the Spanish declaration of war against Britain, this new minister of the Navy sent to exile in Ferrol the best naval leader of that time, Vice Admiral Mazarredo, commander of the Mediterranean fleet, who had been energetically demanding more resources. He was therefore absent during the event of February 1797 and the Battle of Cay San Vincent. The Spanish performance at that battle was determined by several different factors. First, the lack of naval command in a Spanish fleet. Vice Admiral Cordoba, general commander of the fleet, after crossing Gibraltar Strait, did not send enough frigates to discover Jarvis' fleet's position. At the same time, his fleet was sailing in disorder. At 8 o'clock, he sent two battleships to chase to the south. Note that he sent battleships, not frigates, as would usually have been the case. So he had fewer powerful ships to fetch Jarvis during the coming battle. At 10.30 a.m., Jarvis' fleet appeared on the horizon, a real surprise. Cordoba then ordered his fleet to form a line of battle to windward. His fleet was thus divided into two poorly formed divisions. 17 battleships in the main force and 5 battleships in the rear guard, with some battleships falling to low water. Cordoba, in other words, was giving a victory to Javas on a silver plate. Even worse, Vice Admiral Morales, commander of the vanguard, did not come to help the center of the Spanish fleet till the end of the battle, five hours later, at 4 p.m. And now we can hear from Pablo and him reading an extract from the logbook of the Principe de Asturias, the flagship of Vice Admiral Moreno, and certainly the best Spanish account of the battle. Logbook of the flagship Principe de Asturias of Vice Admiral Joaquín Moreno, commander of the reward of Córdoba's fleet. At nine o'clock, our Vice Admiral sent the battleships Pelayo and San Pablo to chase to the south. At 9.30, the signal for the formation of the fleet in three columns was repeated. 
When we moved to get our place, a frigate, which was to the north, signaled the presence of eight big ships. Our vice admiral sent us to chase, and exploring the horizon, we discovered to the northwest a sloop and a division of bigger ships, probably battleships. We signaled an enemy fleet and came back to our fleet under full sail. Our vice admiral quickly ordered us to form a line of the battle. The enemy formed a line of battle to leeward and our line was formed to windward. The foremost of the enemy's battleships tacked and was followed by the others. Our ships of the line Conde de Regla, San Fermín, Paula and Principe were separated from the fleet. This was our position when we began our fire. The two fleets began the action at this time. Around a quarter to twelve we were out to the fight, because the enemy's battleships had already tacked. But now we also tacked to attack the enemy's reward from the windward position. The ship Conde de Regla did the same, and so we attacked the enemy with our masts very close together. But the enemy's battleships fired, their guns whilst they were tacking. The penultimate battleships in the enemy's line tried to attack us from the other side, but the Conde de Regla prevented. Around 2 p.m. the engagement ended in the Spanish reward. Our ring was in a bad condition, but we made the necessary repairs to allow us to maneuver. The enemy's position interposed between the main force of our fleet and our separated ships, together with the great quantities of smoke from the guns, didn't allow to observe the position of the rest of our fleet. It seemed that our fleet was separated in two divisions, just like the enemy. In consequence, one half of the enemy's line tacked and the other wore round simultaneously, placing itself in front of the center of our line. This half of the enemy fleet attacked with great superiority the ships San Isidro, Salvador, San Jose and San Nicolas, which were crippled in the rig and unable to return fire. They drift down on the enemy's reward. At 2.30 p.m. we were chasing the enemy's reward, where, where our captured battleships had been placed, when we observed that the center of our line was under attack, and the ship Trinidad, at the end of the line, disabled, and we went to help him. From the windward, the ships Pelayo and San Pablo reached us. The ships Pelayo and Conde de Regla opened fire strong the Trinidad. We followed them and the enemies retreated. Summary It's well known that after we attacked, following our vice admiral's order, we were attacked by the first battleship of the enemy's line, which was to windward. 
we also open file until it tacked. Then we tacked several times to reach the windward position, but the enemy managed to avoid it in spite of our fire. Our action delayed the tacking of seven battleships of the enemy. This delay prevented them from reaching the main force of our fleet, including the battleships Trinidad, Mexicano, and Concepcion. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We then tacked after the last of the enemy's battleship, repaired the the rig, and then chased the enemy's ships until they abandoned their attempts to assemble together, leaving the Trinidad alone. A division which confronts a stronger enemy manoeuvres to avoid it and then rejoins its own fleet in order to attack a surprised opponent, is doing a service which cannot be ignored by those who know the art of war. The order and discipline in the battleship Principe is well known, and these qualities prevented a worse fate for all four captured battleships. It must be observed that the battleship Paula and San Fermin could not help the Principe because they were to leeward. Thinking on these facts, it's easy to deduce that the main force of our surprised fleet, being in a state of disorder, would have been utterly destroyed if the ship Principe had not fought half of the enemy's fleet, delaying it from joining together. Well, I hope you have enjoyed these two contributions from our Spanish colleagues. And be aware that a transcript of this podcast is available on the website at snr.org.uk. So you can follow everything that is said there. And now we're going to finish off this episode by having uh, both of these accounts from Agustin and Pablo read in Spanish. La Batalla del Cabo de San Vicente. Doctor Guimera de España. Existe un conjunto de factores principales en el desarrollo de la batalla del Cabo de San Vicente que explican bien su desenlace. En primer lugar, la superioridad de la Royal Navy, 
La batalla constituye un buen ejemplo de la superioridad británica en la maniobra, asimismo relacionada con la mayor disponibilidad de marinería para sus escuadras. La marina mercante británica era la más grande de Europa en aquel tiempo, diez veces mayor que la española. También existía una superioridad en la financiación naval. La Real Hacienda Británica disponía de dinero suficiente para mantener sus escuadras y flotas en alta mar durante largo tiempo y entrenarlas adecuadamente. El contexto español tampoco ayudaba. Hubo una ausencia de mando en la Marina Española en 1797. Durante la administración del ministro de Marina Valdés, la Marina Española tuvo una buena actuación durante el conflicto de Nutka en 1790 y en la guerra contra la Francia revolucionaria, 1793-1795. Pero después de 1795, tras el Tratado de Basilea, que se llama la paz entre España y Francia, la Real Hacienda Española estaba exhausta, y el nuevo ministro de Marina Varela llevó a cabo una mala política en las finanzas navales. Ambos factores trajeron consigo un colapso muy rápido de la capacidad operativa de la Marina Española. Peor aún, en 1796, después de la declaración de guerra por España a Gran Bretaña, el nuevo ministro envió al exilio de Ferrol al mejor líder naval de aquel momento, el vicealmirante Mazarredo, comandante general de la escuadra del Mediterráneo, que había demandado con energía mayores recursos para su escuadra. En consecuencia, estuvo ausente de los eventos que tuvieron lugar en febrero de 1797 y en concreto la batalla del Cabo de San Vicente. Diario de navegación del navío Príncipe de Asturias Mandado por Antonio de Escaño, el 14 y 15 de febrero de 1797, sobre el combate del Cabo de San Vicente. A las nueve se mandó que el Pelayo y San Pablo dieran caza al sur. A las nueve y media se repitió la señal de la formación en columnas. Estando maniobrando para tomar nuestro lugar, una fragata que demoraba al noreste indicó verse buques mayores de guerra en número de ocho. Estábamos al norte del general, quien nos mandó dar caza y reconociendo el horizonte para buscar objeto, descubrimos al norte-noroeste no una balandra y un pelotón de buques mayores, al parecer navíos. Pusimos señal de escuadra enemigos, ceñimos por favor y dimos todo aparejo. El general mandó formar una pronta línea de combate, ceñir el viento por favor y zafar los ranchos seguidamente que viésemos por avante lo que ejecutamos. El enemigo pareció desplegar una línea de batalla de babor, navegando diez cuartas por estribor, y que, al llegar a nuestra aleta de barlovento, el navío de la cabeza ciñó y los demás por sus aguas. Nuestra línea se formaba por barlovento de ellos. Los navíos Conde de Regla, San Fermín, Paula y el nuestro quedaron cortados. Esta era nuestra situación cuando rompimos el fuego. También se rompió en las dos líneas. 
la posición del enemigo interpuesto entre la escuadra y los navíos cortados, reunida en mucho humo, no permitía observar lo que pasaba en los demás buques españoles. Como a las once y tres cuartos, el navío de nuestra aleta viró por avante y le siguieron los suyos por contramarcha. Esto motivó saliésemos del combate, pero considerando tardaríamos mucho en incorporarnos con nuestra línea, remontándonos afuera del tiro por Barlovento, viramos por avante para atacar la retaguardia enemiga por Barlovento. El conde de regla maniobró con nosotros y atacamos a toca paño a los navíos enemigos, que alargando su bordada viraban por avante por nuestra aleta y nos, y nos batían al mismo tiempo. El penúltimo navío de la línea enemiga quiso doblarnos, pero lo impidió el conde de regla, atrasándose. Sería como las dos cuando se concluyó el combate, quedando el aparejo bien maltratados. Remediamos al instante las averías precisas para virar. La escuadra nos pareció separada en dos divisiones, y también la de los enemigos, lo que nos dio motivo para creer que solo viró por contramarcha a nuestro costado la mitad de la línea de ellos, y que la otra mitad, virando un tiempo por redondo, quedó al frente de nuestro cuerpo de batalla. Esta, la otra mitad de la escuadra enemiga, batió con ventaja al San Isidro, Salvador, San José y San Nicolás, cuyos buques desmantelados, con su aparejo delante de las baterías y arribando tal vez sin ruedas o cañas de timón, no pudieron hacer fuego y cayeron sobre la retaguardia de los contrarios. A las dos y media dábamos caza a los enemigos de retaguardia, donde estaban nuestros navíos desmantelados, lo que por su situación y la que nos conservaban, navegaban a un largo. Al mismo tiempo, notamos que el cuerpo fuerte de la escuadra estaba atacado y el Trinidad, que era el último navío, se hallaba desmantelado, por lo que nos dirigimos a sostenerlo. Aparecieron por Barlovento de vuelta de su caza los navíos Pelayo y San Pablo, los que se incorporaron antes que nosotros. El Pelayo y Conde de Regla rompieron el fuego por la popa del Trinidad y siguiéndolos nosotros se retiraron los enemigos. Resumen. Es un hecho que luego que viramos por orden del general fuimos atacados por el navío cabeza que estaba a Barlovento y que le contestamos hasta que viró. Lo es que viramos sobre los enemigos para tomarles el Barlovento, que ellos maniobraron para evitarlo, siguiendo sin virar por contramarcha, que viramos de su vuelta, que los atacamos y que ellos fueron virando sucesivamente para no dejarnos hacer la maniobra que ya habíamos intentado. Todo lo referido retardó la virada de siete navíos enemigos, que no lo hicieron a un tiempo por no ser doblados por nosotros. Que este retardo proporcionó que el que no llegaran a, a tiempo para batir, a más del Trinidad, al Mexicano, al Concepción y a algunos de los que estaban por su proa. Que viramos cuando el último navío enemigo remediamos nuestras averías de maniobra y que dimos caza a los enemigos hasta que se retiraron del combate para reunirse, dejando al Trinidad. ¿Por qué se niega que la división cortada no evitó que fuera la derrota más completa? El que entretiene con menos fuerza a un cuerpo enemigo 
y evita que éste se incorpore a los suyos para batir una armada sorprendida, hace un servicio que no pueden desconocer los que saben del arte de la guerra. Es conocido, sin que hablemos de ello, el estado interior del, nive, del, del navío príncipe, y que la disciplina que se observaba en él, y esto pudo haberle evitado la suerte de los sacrificados. Si no hubiera tenido el uso de todos sus fuegos antes de cinco minutos, diez tiros por cañón sobre cubierta y el surtido de, de cartuchería corriente hubiera sido atacado de otra forma. Y debe observarse que los navíos Paula y San Fermín no podrían auxiliarlo por estar sotaventados. Reflexionando sobre todos estos hechos referidos, se deducirá sin violencia que en el estado de sorpresa y desorden en que estuvo el cuerpo fuerte de la escuadra, hubiera sido destruido si el navío príncipe no hubiese batido a la mitad de la escuadra enemiga, haciéndole retardar su incorporación a los que batían la nuestra. Thank you all very much for listening. Do please follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Come and find us online at snr.org.uk. And if there's one thing you can do, please join the Society for Nautical Research. Your subscription fee will go towards publishing the most important maritime history and also towards preserving our maritime past.